Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Ad News Pubcast, the podcast that celebrates the industry's penchant for a sociable drop and a chat. Hi, and welcome to the Ad News Podcast, recorded here at Forbes Street Studios. Today, I'm joined by a former seasoned WPP veteran, now pitch doctor, Greg Sparrowgram. How are you, Greg? Thanks, mate. Glad I, to be here. I'm, I'm going to say Sparrow. Everyone knows Sparrow, so yeah. I think we're just going to go with that. Yeah, go with it. So I have to say, at the start, it's been very difficult for me not to intro you with, doctor, doctor, <laughs> give me the news, just because of yeah, the Don't pitch doctor. Don't give up doctor. your day job, mate. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <Stay> with- <laughs> I hope we got those levels right at the start. Um, but look, I think we're going to kick off a little bit with just, I think to start, what What's been happening? Like, we obviously knew that you'd left WPP and that there's been lots of things going on on the burner. So I suppose, do you want to let us know where you're at, what's going on? And Yeah. Well, I guess I started this consultancy called The Nest Consultancy because that works with a sparrow, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the main thing is pitch doctoring is obviously something I've had lots of experience with, but people, it's a, it's a skill that people need. So there's a real market need for it. Even I've been offered um, opportunities in Asia, in Singapore, yep. um, and people also are prepared to pay for that service, you know, which is also important in any business relationship. So um, lots of interest in pitch doctoring. I'm also doing some like management and PR stuff, some training and development, but the pitch doctor, uh, I guess, areas sort of got the most attention and the mm. most interest and people sort of reaching out going, Sparrow, can you help us with this big pitch or can you come in and, you know, sort of train the team on? the best way to win a pitch. And can I ask, it might be a foolish question, but I just want to know for myself, where does uh, pitch doctoring go most? What sort of level at an agency does it sit in the most? Look, it's, I mainly work with the pitch team, you know, the team that is really you know, presenting on the day. Yep. So I would help them with their presentation, their story, their actual sort of platform skills of presenting, um, giving them feedback and help and coaching them every day. So I would sort of really work closely with the team who were literally going to be standing up on the day presenting. Okay. Um, um, but once again, you know, I can, you know, if someone said, you know, come in for a month prior to the pitch, we would help out with the whole crafting of the pitch process. Yeah. Okay. You know, sort of every element of it. Okay. Well, that obviously leads into, I guess, sort of the big thing. Obviously, by the way, I'm alone today on the podcast. Uh, The team is out and about. So we've got uh, Sparrow in here to help out. But I think we're going to pick a big topic, which is, if you haven't guessed it yet, pretty obvious. It's uh, pitching. Awesome. And who better to help? So I guess first and foremost, jumping off point. What is it now that clients are looking for when they are waiting for a pitch to come to them? 
Look, normally, and now once again, I guess the big question is, are they prepared to pay for it? Mm. But they're normally after, you know, great business ideas, they're going to grow their business, right? So it's what, you know, what's the the return on investment? What, you know, is this idea going to grow my business? Is this idea going to work? And then I think it's a combination of the best people, the best talent. So, you know, grow my business, deliver on uh, return on investment and, and effectiveness. And then I want the best people who once again, understand, you know, data, all, all these different areas of, of the business that I'm interested in. So I think they have high expectations, but sometimes maybe they're not prepared to pay for those. Mm. So it's a real catch 22 because they want everything and they want the best quality and the best people and the best ideas. And then you come down to, do you see value in that? So I guess we'll, we might come back to that later on. Yeah, I was about to say, I'd like to know why the willingness to pay yeah. is decline. But I guess, how has it evolved as well? How has pitching evolved? I think that's a big question now, particularly. Look, I think a lot of it probably in the past, um, it may be a little bit in the past, I guess there was better storytelling and maybe a bit more sort of theatre and a, maybe a bit more... Um, showbiz maybe i mean i sort of think about back you know back razzle in the dazzle, day, that sort of maybe thing. a bit more razzle dazzle but i mean you know sort of pitch theater but in a relevant way whereas now i think it's very much around you know what's the solution what's the effectiveness for this um you know don't wrap it up nicely just what is it mm. you know don't tell me about how you made the watch you know like what's the time right you know so very um you know not that you know telling great stories with compelling sort of theater isn't great to grab people's attention. But to me, it's very much around the the real, like, what are they going to deliver? You know, it's sort of quite hardcore. Okay. So I suppose the next question there is, what are agencies doing right at the moment in this space? And where's it going wrong? And where does it need to improve? God, that's a, that's a good question. What are they doing right? I'm not sure they're doing enough right. You really? know, yeah. I, look, I think sometimes people don't listen to the client enough. So they're sort of too much talking about themselves mm. and what are the real client issues or the real client challenges that you know the solution for. Um, and, you know, what's the real brief? You know, you may have a brief, but is that the underlying real brief? You know, that may not be the reason for the pitch, but they've given you this brief, you know. So sometimes look beyond the brief or what's really behind the brief. Right. And I'm not sure people do that. Yeah, you know, it's like, okay, off they go and they answer question one through to, you know, so they sort of tackle it in a very logical way, but step back and take some time to think about it and go, why, you know, what do they really need on their business? Why are they reviewing? What's the real brief? So is that uh, sort of like, what identifying problems that they might not even know are there? Or? Well, uh, there's some of that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, have they articulated their real issue or the real problem? Yeah, sure. And maybe they haven't. You know, because sometimes it might be superficial or they, they tend to going through the motions with all these questions, but you know, what's, what's the real business issue and then can you provide the solution? Um, and I think as I said, I'm not sure a lot of, a lot of agencies talk about themselves and don't spend enough time l really listening to the client. And I think listening, our industry, we're not good listeners. Mm. We tend to want to talk a lot. Yeah. Okay. Me included, right? So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? I think yeah. sometimes we need to listen better to the client or the consultant and really understand the, 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 the business challenge. Um, and I just don't think we're good at that. What's the, uh, I suppose, uh, that's a hard thing to improve on though, isn't it? Yeah. When, it when it's something so ingrained, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I guess the only way, you, you know, 
well, it goes both ways. You know, if you're not successful and not converting, you really got to take a good hard look at yourself and go, what are the reasons we haven't been converting this business? You know, why is, you know, one creative agency or one media agency, you know, what's their secret sauce? Why, like, why are they being successful? Mm. Um, but really have a good hard look at yourself. And I'm not sure we do that either. Sometimes, you know, we blame it on other things. Oh, yeah, they, you know, they once again, they dropped their, their price or they, you know, they knew the client from a past relationship. Like sometimes we make excuses about losing versus mm. having a good hard look at ourselves and go, why weren't we successful? What are we learning from this? How are we going to change what we're doing? What's the real, the real thing we need to take out of this loss? Mm. Well, what about from a client perspective though as well? Because they're obviously asking a lot more as much as, you know, media agencies need to deliver and not a lot more. So I suppose, is there some level of this where you need to also be mindful that the times have changed and what the client expects out of a media agency. Not oh, to say that a media agency doesn't have to come to terms with that as well. But Yeah. No, I think, once again, clients um, expect a lot and have high expectations and, you know, maybe, um, you know, and are they being clear about the, the, the main priorities or, you know, what is the real issue? So... Um, I guess honesty and then trust and just being open. I mean, and also, is it a real pitch? Even that sort of simple question about, you know, do you really want to move? Yeah. You know, is the incumbent, you know, are you happy with that relationship and you're going through the motions or do you have to do it every three or four years? Or are you really unhappy and you want to move and it's a real pitch? You know, so sometimes because you put agents through a lot of work and if you're not really serious about moving or you're not up for the change, even though you've said you are. Yeah. But, um, but also, I, I feel like I've noticed that, I, and don't get me wrong, only a short time here at Ad News, but already I hear constantly the speed of the carousel has grown over the past five years. So the people go to pitch a lot quicker totally. than what they used to. Well, I think that's a, com a combination of new CMOs or new people in those roles. Normally, when someone comes into an organization, they tend to want to change and do new stuff. Yeah, Not always right, because they may have this brilliant sort of brand or this great proposition or, you know, this great campaign, which they just want to shake up because I'm the new guy and I want to have a new campaign um, or a new agency or a new team. So, um, so the change on the client side. And also I just think because things are tough, you know, when things are challenging and tough, you tend to want to be open to, to changing up your partners, mm. you know, um, and, you know, that's just a sort of reflection of the tough, the tough times we're in. Well, let's talk about the obvious elephant in the room, which is procurement and I suppose price. I mean, they things... good, that can be good guys, by the way, or good uh, ladies yeah. too. I mean, because I don't want procurement to be the bad guys. Okay. But I think sometimes what happens in a pitch is that maybe the marketing team or the CMO or the people that, you know, really should be making the decisions, they've actually stepped back and let it, you know, left it to procurement who are used to negotiating prices for widgets, Yeah, you know, not sort of service organizations or dealing with incredibly talented people or creative people. And you can't compare that to a cost of a widget. Yeah. Um, but in these tough times, both globally and locally, sometimes I think the marketing people have stepped back and procurement's taken over or they're running the, they're running the pitch. So walk me through, <laughs> I guess, the impact of letting that happen. Far out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think, I think crazy and we've, you know, it's now a fact of life, good or bad. So I think 
Firstly, we have to work out how do we work with procurement? Do we have the skill set? And is that, do you need to, you know, bring in different people who are used to dealing with that situation yeah. that may be, um, you know, are more skilled at negotiating with procurement? Because that's a whole different skill set versus someone who's moved into a brand new organization. They're a new CEO. They want to get some runs on the board. They want a headline in that news. They want you interviewing them because they're a hot agency and they're just going to be incredibly flexible and whatever procurement want. Go, yes, three bags full, sir you know, I want your business. So sometimes you maybe don't hold or value what you offer. Yeah. Is yeah, it, you undersell yourself. Is that going to do, that's got to do damage to the agency, right? It's got to put totally. immense amount of pressure on you. Totally. Because I think, once again, I, I understand the situation. But, you know, when you get a global deal where you've had to, once again, give away payment terms or be incredibly flexible on cost, or you've had to do stuff where you can't even cover your, your, your salary base, you know, that's not great, not a great business decision for the future. Mm. And so then you've, once again, you know, um, that puts enormous pressure on the agency and the people internally. Um, but I understand how it happens and, and people say they don't do it, but of course, you know, if you've got that big carrot there and you want that win, yeah, you, it's so like, you, you, you can't resist, you, right? you can't resist, you buckle, right? You drop your pants <laughs> and you do crazy stuff, even though you won't talk about that out in the press. You yeah, know? that's right. You know, you, no one wants to say they won the business on price. No. Okay. Yeah. It's, well, it's not <laughs> sexy, right? It's not sexy. You yeah. say, oh, we won it because of our strategic skills, but wow, like <laughs> you're doing that for 1%. Like, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> or what? Yeah, or whatever the you know the crazy fee structure is. So I mean, I suppose is there going to be a solution to this in the future, or is this sort of maybe a necessary evil that you have to deal with? I mean, I I can't see a way around it. If you're negotiating, on, if you're allowed to negotiate on price, you're always going to want to negotiate on price. Look, I guess it takes some some tough management, some tough CEOs and some good agencies. And hey, there's some great agencies. Like mm. so, I'm not. Um, so maybe it takes a couple to literally go. No, yeah. we aren't going to accept those terms or no, you know, value, we value the service we provide and we value our people and we're not going to do it at that fee and walk away. Now that's tough, but you know, how good is that? And also great for your staff to know that you walked away from a piece of business cause it wasn't profitable. Surely your clients want you to make money. I mean, don't they? Yeah, you'd hope so. You would hope so, but not all of them do. I mean, you know, so you'd hope you find clients that see the value in it, are prepared to pay and value that trusted advisor relationship, you know, mm. and that doesn't come, you know, for like peanuts. Yeah. Look, I mean, it, it's, I don't think it's a solution that has an immediate answer. I think that's no, no, I, no, I totally don't. And is in the current economic conditions, you know, it's not going to solve itself, but I, does, I think it does take some, some brave industry leaders to literally go, no, we value ourselves and our people and our service and walk away from some stuff. Okay. I mean, I think we've touched on a lot of stuff, but it's going to come back to a pretty core cool question, isn't it? I mean, how are you going to, how do you win and how do you improve your conversions? Look, once again, you've got to have, you've got to have just great ideas that grow the client's business and that mm. can be creatively or, or, or media or you know, across, you know, will this grow my business? What's the return on investment of this? Will this be effective? Will this drive results? You know, and most people want results like tomorrow, like they don't want results, results in 12 months time. So it's like, will this drive business tomorrow? Mm. You know, and I'm not saying that's always the right case because what about the brand equity down the track or the brand value? But if you need results now, 
Like you've got to sort of prove that and you've got to have the proof points and all the analytics to go, here's this great business building idea. It's going to work. You're going to measure it. You're going to look at the metrics. Um, and also, you know, you're going to sort of stay behind it and believe in it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it, it, it look, once again, you've got to prove, yeah, it's all about the ROI. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I've got you cornered, so I've got to ask another question. <laughs> yeah, where can I go? Yeah, it's out, <laughs> out the window. If you hear a smashing noise, uh, Sparrows float away. Um, no, look, I think that the one thing that keeps coming up, and it, I'm going to move away from pitching, um, and I've heard it already today from Daddy Bass, um, it is this concept of the changing agency model. And I yep. think some people's ears bleed when they hear it, because they've, in some cases, been hearing it for many years. True. But it's starting to hit a bit of a fever pitch now, because you do have things like consultancies in the mix. You have more in the picture now than you did before. And there's a few holding groups out there who have changed that agency model and realized they've gone too big too fast. Uh -huh. So I suppose, where do you sit on what is the changing nature of an agency model and are we getting a little bit ahead of ourselves already? Look, the thing is, I mean, there is a, there is a one size fits all. I know that's obvious and mm. you've heard that before, but each client may have, you know, what is the tailored solution or the bespoke solution for me, right? And that could vary from for a retailer to a packaged goods client to, you know, various in between. So I don't think there's sort of one size fits all. You've got to be really flexible. I mean, some people, once again, love the team models where creative and media are together again. You know, mm. they're back working as this brilliant collaboration. And so once again, you know, that some clients want that. And I go, hallelujah, you know, because I worked, you know, back in the day, Jaguar Thompson, where we worked incredibly closely with the creative teams. So I think there's different models for different clients. And once again, the client's got to believe that that's going to help grow his business. And there's a real benefit in that mm. um, versus driving price down or just changing because, you know, I'm new and I need to change something. But like, yeah, so I think there's lots of scale. There's lots of spectrums for it. And I think people are being a bit more creative because I think they're trying to find, you know, and, and you know, <laughs> With the state of some of the holding companies now, they have to do it. Like there's no, you know, you got you got to smash it up and rebuild it now. Yeah. Well, particularly when you've got people like Chep, BCM, Think, uh, Thinkabell, you yeah. know, they're biting on your heels. I mean, you know. They're you, you, have, you have to do it. Yeah. Like you've got, and now's, you know, uh, as you say, there's lots of, um, I mean, there's lots of holding companies that literally are smashing it up and looking at how they, you know, they look at the various models. Um, and I think the ones that really do tailor them for the clients, mm. 
will be the successful ones. Mm. Because it can't be just cookie cutter because that doesn't work either, you know. Well, yeah, we're seeing that not work. So, right yeah, now, right? you, it's it's about sort of finding the, um, you know, this spectrum of, you know, t- team models or having strategists with, with the media or bringing them to I – mean, I mean, as you say, I think it's a real mixed bag. So you're going to have this whole range of different solutions. Yeah. I mean, how much of it is also about less is more as well? Because, I mean, there's a few <laughs> – some of those holding groups have got a lot of agencies that – Tell me about it. Can get confused. Obviously, in my former life. I mean, you, you know, you can't have – well, you can, but eighty or ninety companies. I yeah, mean, it's a, it becomes a web, right? Like, a, but it's know. not it's not just WPP. There's a few of them. Oh no! Like, I mean, all the holding companies have this, you know, as you say, a crazy selection of companies, and there has to be some, you know, bringing those together, merging, you know, and once again, making it simple for the client to connect mm. with those people because you don't want all those points of contact. You know, how do you make it easier? And I think people, you know, are listening to the clients and and finally looking at some of those structures and just go, we've got to smash it up, you know? Yeah. And I think from a perspective as well, I think when, when you sort of do that, you put obviously less stress internally on the people that are working for those agencies that are finding themselves under the pump or finding themselves having to work so hard further because, you know, yeah, the pressure's on. And I guess the thing is though, when you're, you know, you know, if someone, if you've taken the business on and once again, it's not profitable, or you're under, you know, once again, you know, incredible pressure from global to deliver revenue and growth and, and you're struggling. It's, you don't make smart business decisions normally in that situation because you're not ahead of it. You're not, you're not in front of it. So, you know, you don't always make smart decisions in that way, but, um, yeah, you've got to, you've got to smash it up and, and, you know, try something new. Well, I well, I do want to leave agency well behind, but I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm just flat out not going to because I uh, something that came across our desks over the past week, and I think everybody in the industry read it, and it was um, an open letter from Roy Morgan. That was Roy a man or a female or who's I, Roy? I, I don't. I think Roy is an entity. Right. I think Roy is an entity. Yeah, so with, does Roy represent some of the young people in our industry? I think so. I, I would. Yeah, I'd like to think of it more. May, it could be a conglomerate. You know. I, I like to think of it as Banksy. Banksy. Oh, okay, like, right. I, see, I still don't know who that is. Like, that's anybody to me. So Roy could be Banksy at this point. So, but Roy, I think, yeah, plays a very, maybe, maybe more of an image than a, than an individual. But Roy yeah. Morgan, I'm using inverted commas here, yes. penned an open letter to the industry, slamming the work hours, really putting it to the CEO saying this needs to change. I suppose I kind of wanted to know what you thought, because I have some opinions. I agree on. with Roy. Yeah. I, I think because, once again, you know, I think it's really is tough on some of some of you know the people in our agencies because they're overcommitted. You know, they might be one hundred percent of something, but they're actually working you know one hundred and fifty percent because they're you know allocated to a number of clients. Mm. Um, the pressures internally for revenue, once again, is high. Um, you know, clients are demanding stuff like I want this tomorrow. Um, so the pressure and the challenging times, and I think we are burning out staff. The, 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 the turnover is tough. And I think people are working crazy hours and I'm not sure some of our management are really honest about that. Mm. I think they like to believe that they've got a health and wellness campaign and they've got free fruit and yogurt that it's all good. Well, yeah. that's bullshit, you know, because yeah. if someone's working till midnight and working on the weekends, doesn't matter, you know, <laughs> if they can get a free yoga class, you know, <laughs> they probably don't have time to go to the yoga class. Right? No, I can't pay rent in Pilates <laughs> Okay, either. that's right. And also just their mental health. Yeah, you know? of course. And there's, once again, lots of agencies are doing some good stuff around mm. that. But is it window dressing and is it real? 
Because mm. I go, there's a lot of, we don't always practice what we preach and we sort of say that, oh, we've got this great culture. And once again, you know, you talk about some of that, but are you really living it and breathing it and really delivering on it? And I'm think, I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of bullshit around that. Mm. And I think it's a real problem that we need to address. Look, when I, when I've been trying to figure out what this boils down to, I know that I think there's, yes, you're right. It's very much on that mental health thing. And I think there's an element to of pay. Um, Willie Pang obviously responded. Um, and then I think, uh, I think Willie should be applauded for responding. Yes, definitely. However, I'd say, you know, Willie, give me some concrete actions that you're doing. You know, the intent was there. But I'd, I would like to go, okay, what else are you doing? And what is the media federation doing or anybody else? You know, what are the other, the, the industry bodies, what are they doing about, you yeah. know, sort of real action versus um, some generalizations? The other thing is too, I think we leave sometimes we've got all these talented people, but we sort of throw them in the deep end. So I'm not sure we're taking the time to mentor them or coach them or really give them the skills. We're sort of like thrown in the deep end and they've got to swim and they're sort of, you know, there they are. Um, but are we really giving them the support? And mm. I think when things are tough, maybe, you know, some of those things are cut back and they're, they're not really, you know, getting the, the, well, the wise counsel or the senior, um, sort of mentorship that they need because mm. mm. well, it's lacking. I mean, <laughs> and also I feel like, you know, in that letter of it as well from other conversations, you know, what, to quote, to not to quote someone directly, but anonymously, there was, you know, they said to me, well, that's all well and good to sort of, you know as you said, have a yoga class or have a mental health break as you see fit. And that's available to you, but not when we're trying to win new business right now. Yeah. Because it's 10 PM and we've got to get this campaign over the line. Well, the pitches on Monday, you got to work on the weekend. We're rehearsing on Sunday. I mean, it's, it's, it's a real balancing act. And as I said, I, you know, I don't have all the solutions because, you know, if you're pitching on Monday, there is going to be an expectation, an expectation. You've got to rehearse on the weekend, but yeah. then when can you give that person time back to spend for themselves, their mental health, their family, the people they care about? Like, you know, when could you give that back first? They've been working on a pitch. So the current clients are all stressing because I need this because I haven't seen you for a week. You've been working on a pitch and mm. it's got to be done. So they're, you know, are we giving them enough time to recharge their batteries, be resilient and come back? Because I feel like, you know, there's all these really good people that just go from one to the next, you know, yeah. and it's the good ones that normally you know, uh, being asked to do all this extra stuff. Yeah. That, and look, I mean, there's definitely some really good strategies out there. I must reaffirm that. I think there's definitely, you know, like on our own, our second podcast, which we have with NGEN, we had um, a member from Initiative come in and sort of speak to about a mental first aid and sort of Brilliant. getting trained and things like that. Brilliant. But I just think, yeah, it, it comes, for me, it boils down to how long are you working on a weekly basis? Yeah. Are you doing 40? Are you doing 80? Yeah. Is it getting out of hand? And I think, as I said, I mean, I... I you know, when you'd leave the office late at nine o'clock or something, you see all these people and I'm going, go home. Mm. Like, what are you doing here? And you're asking them and then they go, once again, this client expectation has got to be delivered tomorrow. I've got to, you know, put all this, um, you know, um, I've got to process um, some of these bookings and they, you, they're just workloads. Uh, so then I go, okay, what, is your manager aware of this situation? How else can we help you get through this? And I'm not sure, do people know that the tips and the tricks to sort of the shortcuts and the ways and are people literally just going, okay, you're doing that the long way, or you can do this more efficiently or effectively. I just feel like sometimes we're sort of missing that now and people are just, you know, sort of swimming in the, in the, in the, in the rip, you know, and they, they just don't have time to, 
to look back and just go, holy hell, you know, what's the stuff I shouldn't be doing? Mm. What is the stuff that's really going to provide that client value? Yeah, well, look, I'm, I'm glad that the conversation has been put out there again yeah. as well. No, it's, it's a healthy you know, conversation. It's a healthy conversation. But I would say the industry's got to go, what are concrete action things that we're going to do about it, you know? Yeah. And they don't tend to be... You know, once again, you know, you can come in for a yoga class or you can have, you know, till 10 o'clock, you know, to have mental health. Like, well, okay, you were here all weekend, but you can come in an hour late. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't stack up. Yeah. I guess now, to, I mean, from a conversation about health to something that was quite unhealthy, I think this week was, um, you know, the YouTube situation that's occurred yeah. here with a lot of, um, I, I heard it said, and I actually sort of agree with it, um, it's YouTube's Cambridge Analytica moment. Totally. Um, probably not so much in the level of privacy, but in the level of what exposure is going on. I mean, from my perspective, personally, I have a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old brothers who are obsessed with YouTube. Right, wow. Well. I mean, to be if you were directed in any way, shape, or form, and then you had to see some of your own favorite brands stacked up against these videos, I just think... Oh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's unacceptable. I mean, you yeah. can't have that. I mean, clients... You know, brand safety is, you know, sort of a pillar of what they, you know, and as you say, um, it's a really important issue. And I can understand, I'm actually a bit surprised that more clients haven't pulled. You know, pulled. Yeah. yeah. I'm sort of, you know, I know certain people have taken a, you know, stance and I'm actually surprised that more haven't uh, done that and, you know, really asked once again, like, how can we solve this? Like, what else can be done? I just think uh, for me, it blew my mind that the questions came up of how can this be solved? What can we do? What can brands do? My theory is how the hell can this happen? How yeah. could this have come to, how could this come to pass? Um, because there's so much content that's low, yeah. low, like it's just, it's the massive nature of how do you, how yeah. do you police the unpoliceable? You, exactly right. Like it's, cause it would be impossible to do that. Mm. And you know, what, what our, whatever algorithms you put in, they're not, up, they're not up to date. As no. you do them, right? Because they can't keep up to date with, you know. So, yeah, I think it's incredibly challenging. And as again, if I was a client, I think I'd – you've got to vote with your, with your dollars because that's the only way you'll get action. Mm. If you sort of turn a blind eye or go, oh, look, you know, I'll leave it because I think you really got to vote with your dollars, walk from it, and be really tough mm. about what – how are we going to affect positive outcomes, yeah. you know. I mean, look, I think YouTube's response is going to, it has already seemed like it's going to be pretty swift yeah. and, and quick. But as you said, it's a hard thing to police when you've got a constantly shifting beast as yeah. well. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, that point you touched on not enough brands pulling out, that was, that was interesting. I thought. Well, I just think if I'm, as I said, you know, your brand's so important to you. And, it, you know, once again, the, the your brand safety is, once again, I would have thought the most important issue for my brand, that if you don't stand up for that and once again, you know, put pressure to really, you know, make change happen. And the only way you can do that is when you, when the dollars walk, because mm. that's when you get action, right? If you just stay there and, and just go with the narrative about, oh, we're fixing it. Everything's coming in hunky-dory, yeah. So like I say, you have to pull your dollars and only pull them back when you've gone, yes, I've seen a real action to, to affect that. Mm. I, I think that the, change. the sort of the other point to it is, does it scare brands off for the future? Does it lead, is, is, is it, a, is it a too deep of a cut <laughs> to sort of, you know, stitch up, you know, it, look at short. I would, cause I was going to go. You know, if it's not this, you know, next week, is there some other 
style of video. <laughs> style of video that yeah. once again is unsafe for my brand or, and once again for the, just the human <laughs> sort of audience. Like, yeah. you know, uh, so yeah, I say you got to take a hard stance and also, you know, clients be strong, like grow some. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look, I certainly agree. And I think, yeah. you know, from a YouTube perspective as well, and this is sort of why I mentioned my siblings, that there's also an element of what what's going on as sort of in the predatorial nature of what's going on with the comment section totally. as well. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. your whole association now is, n it's not just you're an advertiser on YouTube, it's totally. that you're tied in with that brand as well. I think that's where it shocked me that, yeah, yeah. more brands didn't pull out the whole tie-in together. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, I mean, that, and as you say, that is such a um, important issue at the moment, yeah. you know, uh, let's not mention the Cardinal. No, that's right. <laughs> I, oh, look, I almost thought about mentioning, uh, Andrew, Bob, I'm going to leave it just because I wanted to end on a lighter note than a darker note. Right. I think, um, you mentioned that you really love the recent heart foundation campaign. Yeah. And I thought it was I, brilliant. Yeah. Well, just that, I mean, when I see a great piece of work and once again in print, you know, cause I think print is incredibly powerful. Um, and then they affect a change, I think, within a week, you know, sort of, um, you know, those heart checks are now going to be included, uh, you know, in the government sort of Medicare allowance or whatever. So to me, it had a striking headline. It was topical about, you know, sort of um, you know, that whole crime sort of series and murder mm. and mystery. So God, it got my attention when I saw it in the, you know, the Sunday Telegraph last week. Uh, and, you know, here I am reading it like this, you know, compelling content. Uh, and, you know, it was about a real issue and then it's had a real impact and change something within a week. Yeah. Um, so I will go congratulations to the Heart Foundation, congratulations to News Corp, and what a great custody, case study, easy for you to say, Sparrow, for print. Mm. You mm. know, because sometimes, you know, we talk about some of the other mediums, but, you know, there's print who, um, you know, really has done a great job. Yeah. And saving people's lives, like, you know, should be more of that. Yeah, it's exactly right. Well, I mean, I think that's a good note to end on considering that saving there was lives, saving yeah. lives. I think saving <laughs> lives is always a good way to end. Um, so uh, look, I mean, I'm going to say thank you very much for coming Mate, on. Mate, no worries. It's been Happy a pleasure. To be here. And, um, yeah, look, thank you again and we'll see you next time. I'm sure. No worries. All Thanks right. buddy. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.